Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. Check back weekly to stay up to date with what God is doing here in the life of our church. To learn more information, you can find us online at sturkey.church. Our prayer here at the church at Sturkey Hills is that you are moved by this message. Guys, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. The Grinch. All of us have them. Anybody experience a little bit of Grinch? Grinchness yet this Christmas season? Say, I have. Has anybody played the part of the Grinch yet this season? Say, she has. Say, he has. Sometimes we play the part, but with the, the Grinch is always around. And he's wanting to do one thing. Steal Christmas. Prevent Christmas from coming. And we're two and a half weeks away from Christmas. And the Grinch just gets bigger and bigger, more prevalent and more prevalent, and he doesn't necessarily show up wrapped in a green suit. He's like the devil. He just shows up in different flavors and different colors with different, in different atmospheres, and sometimes when you least expect him, that's when he shows up trying to steal Christmas, the real meaning, the joy, the experience of Christmas. It, it might be at the mall. The Grinch hangs out at the mall. My Grinch at the mall shows up in the form of a female stealing my parking spot and then giving me the number one sign because I looked at her funny. The Grinch shows up at the bank when you get your flash your card and it says insufficient funds. The Grinch shows up on, at, at, on the front porch when your Amazon package comes in and the jacket is the wrong size or the wrong color. The Grinch shows up because of just the busyness of the season. The, bench, the, the Grinch shows up looking like somebody that you might be married to. The Grinch shows up looking like somebody you might be the son-in-law of. The Grinch shows up in all these different appearances to steal your Christmas. So what we're going to talk about today is a Grinch-proof Christmas. How to have a Grinch-proof Christmas. And we're going to learn it from the Bible. We're going to learn it from Matthew chapter 2. And so if you've got a Bible or a device, Matthew 1 and 2 is where we're going to be looking today. We're going to go back 2,000 years to find out that there was a first Christmas. And at the very first Christmas, there was a Grinch. And the Grinch's job then was no different than it is now, and that is to steal your Christmas. Look at your neighbor and say, he's trying to get it. Now look at your neighbor and say, don't let it happen. Now tell your neighbor, it's up to you. It's up to you. See, you determine whether or not the Grinch steals your Christmas. And so I'm going to begin reading in Matthew 1 in verse 18. This is how it unfolds. Now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. Now, when he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name, his, you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. 
saying, Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son whom he named Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, this is an amazing story. In fact, it is arguably the greatest story ever told. It is the greatest story ever written. And it's true. Now, what makes it so great? What, makes it, what sets it apart above all other stories ever told? First of all, it's the greatest uh, story ever told, and it launches right here. It's the greatest life ever lived, and it's delivered right here. It's the greatest gift ever given, and it's presented right here. That makes this story great, and it's true. Now, the beauty of it is the greatest story, the greatest life, the greatest gift is for you. Tell your neighbor, it's for you. But sometimes we think it's for somebody else. Sometimes we watch somebody else and it seems like the story of Christmas must be for them because they get it. And it must not be for me because I don't get it. I want you to know the story of Christmas is for you. It's for you. This package sent from God in the form of a, a baby born of a, of a virgin who his name is Emmanuel, God with us. It was given. It was delivered. It is presented to you individually, in particular, with your DNA. This package is designed to fit your personal life. And sometimes we've experienced a little bit of that. But then often we lose that. We, something happens and we begin to lose that joy of what Christmas really is. And if you've ever experienced a, a Christmas and Christmas goes by and you look up and you say, it just, I didn't get Christmas. I missed Christmas. Have you ever missed Christmas? Say, I have. It starts happening sometimes when we're late teen, in our late teens and we realize the Christmas that we enjoyed so much as children. I hope you had a good childhood Christmas. I certainly did. And, and it's amazing. Children's Christmas is an amazing thing. And, and, and then and so you lose it for a season. It's just kind of wah, 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 you know. And then you have children, and it kind of comes back because the joy of Christmas, man, they get it. They, you know, the amazement, the spectacular nature of Christmas, it comes alive in our children. And then we have grandchildren, and it's even better. You know, it's just, it, it, so it, it just gets real good again. But there's a season when we just don't seem to enjoy our Christmas. Now, in this story... We, we, we see a lot of things that are fixed, uh, inarguable. She's a virgin. And, and let me just say, if you struggle with Jesus being born of a virgin, you, your Christianity is on shaky ground. In fact, you may not even be saved because you don't understand who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh, a dichotomy, all God, all man, never less God while being all man, never less man by being all God. You can't wrap your mind around that. And he was born of a virgin because he's God and he can do that kind of thing. So you got to nail that down. It's fixed. He came with a purpose and the purpose was to live born a perfect birth, live a perfect life so he could die a perfect death on your behalf. It's fixed. It's what his plan and his purpose is. And so you have to buy into that. But at the same time in this story, there's a lot of stuff that are a little bit sketchy, a little bit uh, requires a little bit of uh, conjecture or imagination to figure it out. And one of those things is now all of a sudden in comes the scenario where the wise men show up. 
Now, last night we were in the parade. It looked like this. You got a sleigh on the back. You got the nativity scene. You got Mary, Joseph, and baby cloth because we forgot the baby. So we just had cloth bundled up, okay? So baby cloth, and he was really good. Didn't cry, didn't make any noises. And, and behind it, you got some shepherds, okay? Three shepherds. And then behind the three shepherds, you had three wise men, right? And they're about 10 feet apart. But in this biblical narrative, we're not real sure how many shepherds. We're not sure how many wise men. Oh, now, wait a minute. I beg to differ. There's three. You think there's three because there's three gifts. There could have been a hundred. There could have been one with three gifts. I, we don't know. Okay? But we, these three kings, these three wise men, there's things that we just don't know. How, how far did they come? Because it says what? They came from afar. Because that doesn't mean they weren't in a weenie roast. That's a fire. Okay? They came from afar. They came from the east. How far is afar? It, speculation says uh, uh, theologians guess somewhere between 600 and 1,200 miles. That's a long way if you're not taking Uber. It's a long way if you're on a camel. It's a long way if you're on a horse. It's a, it's a long way if you're in a, in a caravan, if you're being carried in a little box. It's a long way any way you scan that. But we don't know. It's just a long way. Uh, what is the star? It talks about they follow this star. What it, it, when you read commentaries, it's so funny how people just dive in and get it all figured out. This is what some of them say. It was a supernova. I thought a supernova was like 1969 Chevrolet. Okay? For the old people know what I'm talking about. Okay? Some say it was Halley's Comet. Some say it was a planetary conjunction. Okay, whatever that is. Uh, it was, in fact, the Shekinah glory of God shining on the place where God would interrupt this whole thing he created and land physically in Bethlehem. That's what happens when God does this kind of thing. So there's unknowns and uncertainties, but there's some other certainties, and it's this. Even at the very first Christmas, there was somebody trying to steal Christmas. You see, the Grinch didn't show up in a green suit like we showed the video, which was my favorite Christmas story, by the way. Rudolph, way too sad. I had three brothers. We didn't watch Rudolph because we were afraid one of us would cry. Who's sad? Rudy, no Rudolph. Okay? But the Grinch, no crying. Okay? It's a good story. All right? But the Grinch didn't show up in a green suit. The Grinch showed up 2,000 years ago at the very first Christmas, trying to steal Christmas and what Christmas was supposed to be all about. And so that's what we're going to see today. And if we'll learn and listen from these wise men, we can learn how to have a Grinch-proof Christmas. And let me just ask you a question. Who would like to celebrate Christmas with a, with a pizzazz and a power comparable to when we were a child, when Christmas was just amazing? Who would like to experience that again? I want you to know you can. No matter how old you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your, what your week or your year look like, you can experience Christmas again. If we have a Grinch-proof Christmas, number one, beginning in chapter two, be wise as you approach Christmas. The first thing we got to do, we got to be wise as we approach this thing called Christmas. It says in verses one and two, now wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. We got to be wise. Our approach to Christmas has to be intentional. It has to be focused, and it has to be dedicated to this one thing. I'm going to Christmas. I'm celebrating Christmas. I'm encountering Christmas because there is a, 
a child coming to this earth from God to rescue me. And I, I'm going to shove everything out of the way. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the place where Jesus, the one that made Christmas, Christmas is real to me. I get to that place, and when I get there, I'm going to worship him. Now, our models, our template for this are wise men. This is cool. Uh, wise men are what? They are magi. Magi, are ed, they are the elite. They have credentials. They have papers about them. They are the most educated, the most trained uh, men on the planet of the day. Everybody looked to them. They are the sages, the one with the, with the answers. Now, they, they knew astronomy, the science of the skies. They knew religion. They knew culture. They knew it all. These people are elite. And listen to what the elite came to do. They came searching for Jesus. They came following the signs that God put in their path because when they found him, they were going to worship him. I could stop right there and preach a sermon all day long about that. If your Christmas looks like that, you will experience and have an encounter with the real meaning, the Christ of Christmas. If you pursue him, if you uh, follow the signs that God puts in your way to lead you to that place, if you're willing to go there with a purpose, not some investigative uh, uh, search where you can, oh, I check the boxes, I want to know who Jesus is. You you, if you go to worship him, you will get to the place where he'll be waiting for you. But we have to be intentional. We have to be on a quest, a mission, a journey, trying to find it, trying to get to the place where we have a fresh encounter with the meaning of Christmas. Now, when we do that, he is waiting. I want you to know that God is already there waiting for you to get there. Now, we have to be wise. Tell your neighbor, you've got to be wise. Tell your neighbor, you need to wise up. You know you've been wanting to say that, all right? Number two, you have to beware. Beware of the enemies of Christmas. Just be aware. Be aware that there is an enemy who wants to steal your Christmas. It started 2,000 years ago in 2019. It's still, he's still real. He does not want you to experience the reason of this thing called Christmas. Listen to what happens in verses 3 through 8. Now, when, when King Herod, now let me pause. King Herod is the king of Judea appointed by the Roman government. He is an absolute disaster of a human being, Okay. His whole life is a train wreck. And so he shows up on the scene. He's the Grinch, but he's only one of them. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was alarmed. And all of Jerusalem were alarmed with him. After assembling all the chief priests and the experts in the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for it is written this way by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod privately summoned the wise men and determined from them when the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and look carefully for this child. And when you find him, inform me. So that I can go worship him as well. So the Grinch shows up, and he doesn't show up looking like the Grinch. Oh, he's saying, come on, let's do the research and let me know where he's going to be so I can go worship him too. That's what the, the Grinch sometimes, man, he'll just he'll sneak right up in your business. But he has a personal agenda. You see, if you look at the life of King Herod, it was a mess, an absolute mess. He was hurt as a young person. And you know what hurting people do? They hurt people. You know what Grinch people do? 
They steal Christmas. And sometimes when somebody steals one person's Christmas, the response is this person feels like, I just need to steal somebody else's Christmas. Let me just paint a picture. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people that I know outside of this room. Sometimes people aren't excited about Christmas, and they don't want you to be excited about Christmas. In fact, if you come in all bubbly, man, you're excited about your Christian, Christian, uh, Christmas experience, they want to pop your bubble. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody got like that? Anybody like that in your world? If, they, if you don't know who they are, it might be you. Okay? Just saying. Now, so what we got to do, we got to know they're out there. And, and, and hurting people hurt people. And people trying to rob Christmas are people that somebody has robbed Christmas from them. So your job is to push back against that. Your job is to, to be intentional and be aware that, that the enemy is out there trying to, to, to rob and steal your Christmas. They traveled a long distance. We're not even sure how long. But now they have, they have get, they're getting close to this place. And King Herod, it says, he was alarmed. All the people were alarmed. And he called in now the religious system. Let's all get alarmed. Now, why was, why was he alarmed? Because there's a, new king, there's a new king in town. All right? Jesus has showed up, supposed to be the king of the Jews. Well, Herod wants to be king. There's not room for two kings in any culture. And so he wants to dispel and, uh, and eliminate any prospect of him losing his kingship. So, so what was the grinch in his life? Jealousy, pride, fear, hatred, anxiety. All of those had stolen his Christmas. So now his, his response would be simply to steal everybody else's Christmas. Now, like I said before, it's, it doesn't always look like the little green man we see in the cartoon. The Grinch comes in all different flavors and all different disguises. It might be the cost of Christmas. Has anybody ever lost a little bit of Christmas spirit because of how much Christmas costs? None of y'all have? I have. It might be paying off your Discover card. It might be checking your balance. Excuse me, trying to buy the sweater and they check the balance for you. It comes up insufficient funds. <laughs> Has anybody in here ever done this? I, I read a story about somebody who did this. They came in, they put their card up there. Y'all like to buy the sweater? Merry Christmas. Okay. I'm sorry, sir. Insufficient funds. I read a story about that. Never happened in my life, of course. Okay. So what do we do? We go to another card. <laughs> you know, and some people, they just go, take a card, any card. <laughs> you may have to try them all, but there's one in there that has some money on it. I promise. Okay. Because I'm not the person that's out here bouncing checks and uh, using bad cards. I know that's not happened to anybody in here. I'm just telling you, it happened to me one time, a long time ago, before I got my finances all squared away. Anyway, it might be that. It might be loneliness because you went through a terrible season with relationships. Maybe your children have left the home. Maybe you've lost a loved one. It may be loneliness. That's the Grinch that wants to steal your Christmas. It may be visitors at Christmas that you really just don't want to visit with. Anybody have those in your family? <laughs> you, and Bob, I'm glad you said that because if you don't know anybody, again, it might be you. All right? So there's those people that you really, they just steal your Christmas. You know, they suck all the energy out of the room. If you know people like that, man, the spirit is good. Everything's good. And somebody comes in like a big shot back. Suck all the joy out of the room. Everything just plummets, okay? Well, maybe it's the rush or the rat race. You know, you got to get it all done. You have 100 places to be. Maybe it's those people who are just confused, they're hurt, so they won't hurt everybody else, and they won't take Jesus out of Christmas. Then we can't call it Merry Christmas, or Happy Holidays, Merry Xmas. It ain't no X, and it's not a happy holiday unless the Christ of Christmas is in the center of it, okay? And so maybe it looks like that. Maybe it's just that person who moans about everything. 
It's like they're looking for a reason to bring everybody down. Okay, don't be that Grinch. What about the pastor? What does it look like for me? Three weeks before Christmas, listen to my week. I'm finishing my doctoral work, you know that, because it's unfinished business, and I have five classes, and I'm finished. Three of those are writing my project. This class, I had eight book reviews and a 30-page paper due tonight. That was my week. Yeah, that's not all. We had a Christmas float, a great old big one, okay? Had to finish that up. Had to be in the parade. Had that this week. I had a school board meeting, I would liken to like the armpit of hell, um, that landed me in the newspaper. Anybody see your pastor in the newspaper? Yeah, I didn't look real Christmassy in that picture, okay? But I was Christmassy. I just didn't look at the, that's the picture they chose. Okay, not only that, we have the women's tea tonight. We got to set up all these tables. Yeah. Okay. This this one, my Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Now, I just say that. Say, listen. That's what our life looks like sometimes. And Christmas still comes on the 25th of December. And we can choose to allow all of the interference to come into our life to steal our Christmas. Or we can press through. We can, uh, we can beware that there's an enemy trying to do it and just call it what it is. And at the end of the day, just keep moving forward. Keep looking up, keep focusing, saying, I'm, I'm finding Christmas, I'm experiencing Christmas, and Jesus is going to be bigger than he's ever been this Christmas season because he is what it's all about, and it'll work. How do I know? Because Jeremiah the prophet tells us in chapter 29, verse 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It means we just push through it and say, I am determined, Father, that I'm going to find Jesus in this Christmas season. Because about 2,000 years ago, God, you chose to love somebody like me. Not just in word, but you wrapped yourself in skin, wrapped yourself in swaddling clothes, and came to this earth to save somebody like me. And I am eternally forever indebted to that amazing gift that showed up 2,000 years ago with my name on it. Isn't that cool to know? That that little baby laying in that manger had your name on it. Isn't that cool to know? You know, at Christmas, you put your name on a package, you know. And I remember as kids, they would pass the packages out at my mamaw's house or at my granny's house. It was always a good time for a kid, man. You waiting for your name, you know. You saw. And I remember my younger brother. We had an aunt that you always wanted her to get your name. And then we had another aunt. You always didn't want her to get your name. Because the one would just lavish you. You know, and they would say, okay, we're going to spend whatever amount. This first aunt, she didn't care. All right, she's going to love on you. And you prayed, please let her get my name. Because when it came time, you sitting over there, Joel, yeah, I'll tell you. And then they'll want Joel over here. Next thing you know, I'm sitting over there with all these gifts. And then my brother had the other aunt. His name never got called. And I'm sitting there thinking, I may have to share, you know. And finally, Greg and Greg got a little box. And we're, I'm sitting here like this, you know. Hmm. Stinks to be you. Hmm. I had a sweater, shirt, toy, puzzle, game. I mean, I had all this. He got a toboggan. I, he, he, had, he got a toboggan. And you know what? It, it said Elmer's glue on it. It had a patch on it said Elmer's glue. Merry Christmas. Nothing says Merry Christmas like a toboggan with Elmer's glue on it. Amen? Now... 
Now that's what that's what hap- that, that, that's what happens, and, and and so we lose it. But I'm telling you, Jesus came with your name on the package. And when we search for that, man, we find that moment where we realize, wow, Christmas is more than the junk that the world says it is. It's an encounter with God. It's an encounter with the glory and the greatness of the the God who whispered everything into existence, who sustains it all with a thought. He loves you so much he came to save you. Number three, we got to be watchful. Watchful for real signs of Christmas. In the, in the narrative here in verse 9 and 10 of chapter 2 of Matthew, it says, after listening, so you remember the wise men are before Herod, and Herod's kind of raking them over the coals, wanting to find out where this star's at, where this baby's at. And so they've taken their eyes off the star that they were following because they had been summoned by King Herod. Verse 9, after listening to King Herod, to the king, then they left, and once again, I love that, once again. Let me... Once again, everybody say once again. I want you to know that he's still waiting for you to look and he still has a sign for you to find. Listen to this. This is a once again. The star that they saw when it rose led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they shouted joyfully. I want you to know something today. You may have taken your sights off of the the, the Jesus of Christmas. You may have started focusing on everything else in this world. And you missed out on the greatness, man, of Christmas. That God came for you. Emmanuel, God with us. And you may have missed that because you took your eyes off of the sign pointing you to what Christmas is all about. And you're having an encounter with some Grinch like Herod. I want you to know, sometimes we just need to walk away from that circle, that encounter, that Grinch that we stand before. Walk outside and look up and say, okay, God, where's the sign? Because it says right here, and once again, as soon as they turned their heart back to God, he had a sign to show them how to get to where Christmas was waiting for them. Isn't it good to know? Isn't it good to know no matter how far we've ventured, no matter how far we've drifted, that at the end of the day, in the moment when we say, I'm going to seek him and I'm going to find him because I'm going to seek him with all my heart. I'm going out, God, I need some Christmas. See, my fellow, I need some Christmas right now, okay? I need some Christmas right now. I need to be, I need to be that, that six-year-old again for a moment where Christmas is bigger, where, where we're walking down the aisle of a little Baptist church in Clinton, and, and a friend of mine, a little girl, has a coat hanger on her back wrapped in toilet paper because she's the angel. Anybody live in that church growing up? Okay. And I'm wearing a bathrobe, okay, because I'm a shepherd, all right? And I was lucky they even let me in the thing. But I need to be back. Man, and when that little play was over, we're going to my mamaw's house. And we're showing the love and laughing and having a good time. And sometimes as adults, man, we just need a little bit of that Christmas. Adults, do you agree with that? You know what I'm talking about? All right. Well, sometimes we just need to start looking and let the sign lead us to that place. We need to align our focus, look up, and find Christmas again. These guys had traveled 300, excuse me, 600 to 1,200 miles on camel, horseback, caravan, however. And they were in this moment where the Grinch was trying to distract, redirect, discourage them from the journey that they were on. And sometimes we find ourselves in that moment, and there's a sign waiting for us. We just got to look for it. Seek me, you'll find me, if when you search for me with all your heart. That's what the scripture says. 
That's good to know. So what is the sign that we look for? They're everywhere. It's Christmas season. There's, there's signs everywhere pointing to Jesus. The Christmas tree, whether it has lights on it or not, is, a, is, is an arrow pointing upward. Every time we see a tree, whether lit or not, we ought to say, hmm, oh yeah, forgot. Oh yeah, I forgot. Let me look back up. Yeah, there you are. Sorry, I kind of got, because this is what we do. We get looking at the world. Sometimes we just need to tap ourselves on the chin real good and say, okay, I got my eyes back up, God. I'm looking for you. I'm finding you, and you're there waiting. Every time we see a twinkling light on a tree or on a candle, it should remind us of Jesus. That Jesus is the light of the world, man. Jesus lights my world. Jesus came into the darkness and lit me up. It should remind us of the greatness of Jesus. Every time we see a package under the tree, well, it'll remind us, bam, there's the gift. Not the greatest gift. Might be a good gift. The greatest gift is God giving himself to me. The second greatest gift is when I give myself back to him and make him the Lord. It should remind us. There's signs everywhere. Every time we see a holly leaf, man, it should remind us. Those little thorns and briars on the end of every leaf and those red berries, man. That was Jesus wearing a crown of thorns. That was Jesus' blood being shed so he could purchase me from my sin debt uh, in bondage to the enemy and set me free and give me a home with him and adopt me into the kingdom. There's signs everywhere that point to the greatness of Christmas. And last night we were walking through the parade and I've never seen so many. It's, it, there's more candy at the Powell Parade than there is in all Knox County on Halloween. It's amazing. Kids are standing there like this. And it's, this is our count. We were the last one in the, we were the, last one in, in the parade. Save the best for last. They're holding their bags, the handle's about to rip off. I'm like, they had 15, 20 pounds of candy, and we had these little suckers. I'm like, you still want some? Merry Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. No, they're still excited. They're still excited. They're, they're, they're ready. And along the road, there's probably 1,000 pounds of candy canes. Been run over, stomped on by the band and everything else. The kid's afraid to get pick it up, get run over. And I'm thinking, candy canes, red and white, there it is. And I remember the story, you know, it's, it's the Jesus' blood making us pure white as snow. Everywhere we look, there should be a sign that points us to the greatness of this Christmas season. But instead, we hang out with Herod, the Grinch, the whole Christmas season. And we never go back out, change our environment, and look up and look for a sign. So, last night, after this week that I described, which is a brutally tough week, I'm not kidding, and uh, we were getting ready for the parade, 50 people about it on the parade, and some of our college students were, <laughs> yeah, right here, he's a king, I don't know if you know him, he's a wise man, a wise guy, excuse me, okay, yeah, he was one of our kings, we had kings and shepherds and, and all that, and, we had, and I'm, I'm thinking, this is cool. And I walked around the front of the, of, the, of the sleigh, and there's about 40 people sitting on the reindeer and sitting in the sleigh. And I said, hey, everybody, let me take a picture. And, and I didn't have to coach them. I didn't have to encourage them. I didn't have to threaten them. They're like, yeah, Merry Christmas. I got it right here on my phone. And in that moment, listen, this is cool. In that moment, after a terribly bad week, the Lord said, there it is. There's your sign. I'm helping you if you'll watch. And he lightened my spirit, man. And so I'm, I'm telling you right now, I had a blast at that parade. There's pictures. I'm, I'm the goofiest guy at the parade, okay? I'm Merry Christmas. And let me tell you something about pal people at that stinking parade. They are, they're looking for Christmas. And you know what? I'm walking down the street, and there's people in wheelchairs. And you know what? They had a harder week than I did. And they're just looking for some Christmas too. And all of a sudden, Lord said, give them some Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. And you know what they say to me? They wouldn't say, yeah. You go to the Clinton parade. Hey, Merry Christmas. They say, yeah. 
I don't know what to do. It's the Grinches and Clinton, okay? Over here, it's Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, okay. It's like, don't get that much, okay? I'm, I'm telling they were excited, and they were excited that we're there just demonstrating the joy of Christmas. And so, so the sign was there, and it lit me up. So we got to be wise. We have to be aware, and we have to be watchful. Number four, we have to be worshipful of the Savior of Christmas. Verse 11 now says, And as they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, they bowed down, and they worshipped him, and they opened their treasure boxes, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are the elite, the bigs. These are the most important people in civilization, grown, older men probably, they show up at this little boy or baby's house. They don't care. They don't care what anybody thinks. They came to worship. And in that moment, they've been on this journey, this mission. They've been searching. And in that moment, the star shone down, and they're like, this is it. This is the one we've been looking for. The search is over. The quest has come to a conclusion. This is the guy. This is God with us. Bam. Uncontrolled. Oh, this is him. Well, we got this gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I get a kick out of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. For a long time, it bothered me. You got the, you got the wise man with the gold. Who doesn't want to show up at the party for a boy with gold? I mean, that's a good gig. What'd you bring? Got the gold. Gold points to the kingly nature of Jesus, this baby born. Yeah, everybody wants to take that. Frankincense. What is frankincense? Frankincense is an, an anointing oil used biblically only in the tabernacle and the temple. So king number two, what do you got? I got the frankincense to anoint God. <laughs> That's cool. What do you got? Myrrh. It doesn't even sound good. Make myrrh sound pretty. Unless you say Merry Christmas, it ain't, ain't happening. Okay, myrrh. You know what myrrh is? It's spices for a burial. Mary looks up and says, King three, what did you bring, baby Jesus? Spices for his death. What'd you do? Get the short end of the stick? You know? It bothered me, but here's the thing. Sometimes we stop at Christmas and we forget to extrapolate into the future the greatness of what Christmas began. It began the chapter of God with us on earth. The concluding chapter, pretty brutal, his crucifixion. But then he rises from the dead. Then he ascends to heaven. Then he promises one day I'm coming back. And so it dawns on me, the wise man that brought the myrrh, he had the coolest gift. Because it pointed to the other side of the story, not his arrival, but his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And so they bring this stuff to Jesus and, and they worship him. No debate, no discussion, no votes among the three of them. Is this really him? They found him and they knew it. And I'm telling you, when you find the real, the real meaning of Christmas, when you have an encounter with the Christ of Christmas, no debate, no discussion, no vote. I found him. The journey's over and I'm going to worship him. Now, if your goal for today, for this season, is just to get through Christmas, you may just do that, just get through Christmas. If your goal for this Christmas season is to encounter 
the Christ of Christmas. If you'll search for him, you will find him when you search for him with all your heart. So how did I find worship? I found the joy of Christmas at the parade. Where did I find the opportunity to worship? It wasn't here this morning. I mean, I worshiped this morning, but I didn't find it here this morning. I found it, I think it was Friday night. First Baptist Academy, where my wife teaches, uh, had their kids program. It was really cool. They didn't sing hardly anything new, which I like a lot of new stuff. They sang pretty much old stuff. That's just kind of what they do. But they did it really well. And there were literally hundreds of little kids coming up there and singing. And I was sitting, Karen had saved, my sister-in-law had saved us seats on like the third row, front and center. And I'm sitting there, and these little kids start coming out. And I realized uh, this is where the worship happens for Christmas this year. This is where I'm reminded of what Christmas is supposed to be. Why? Because there's hundreds of little boys and girls with childlike faith who have learned songs about Jesus and Christmas. And they're just up there singing like, I mean, like they're singing on The Voice. Okay? Like they're, like they're competing for a position. Singing, having a good time, standing over there nervous, scratching, twitching, because they got a microphone and they got a solo coming up, you know? And literally, a thousand or more people, it was full house. I mean, packed. Because, you know, everybody comes out to see Junior sing. I mean, it's a big deal. And, man, they're singing and blowing it out. And, and I was looking. And that, right in the middle of it, I noticed. People from here, Jonathan and Meredith's kids, Souls and Tate, they up there singing. And Tate, I don't know if you know singing. He ain't supposed to, if you, I don't know if you know Tate. He ain't supposed to be singing. He's supposed to be, like, dribbling basketball, tackling somebody. He's singing. I saw Lucas and Ashley uh, Lucas and Ashley's children, uh, Raylan and Morgan. And Raylan, uh, they, they like my world. Raylan, man, she's sweet. I mean, if you don't know Raylan uh, Arnold, you need to get to know her. She had choreography when nobody else had it. And this is what it was. She's doing this. And I was like, I told Kendra, I said, look, where'd she get them little moves at? I asked her mama, did you teach her that? She said, no, she got that on her own. I mean, it's sweet. I'm, I'm, it's smile. I'm sitting there smiling. I'm, I'm, I'm watching, and, and Brian and Alyssa's son, Tate, you know Tate. Okay, he right in the middle of them, singing. Uh, Josh and Brittany's son, Connor, singing. Caleb and Josie's daughter, Berkeley, she's singing. I, Matt and Sarah's daughter, Esri, they're all up there singing. And, it, and it, I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, you are so good. I, 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 you've blessed me on this night because these little boys and girls with just childlike faith and energy and, and, and amazement about Christmas, they're up there singing to you while a bunch of adults are watching them in their own little world worship. Meanwhile, most of the adults will go through the whole season and never get to the place where they even remotely try to worship the Jesus of Christmas. And I, all of a sudden, I just thought, man, I, I hope those boys and girls know, I'm talking about the ones who go here, know how much their pastor loves them because they, they'll, they'll bring you to a new place. Childlike faith, man, it, is, it, it takes you to a place often we haven't been for a long time. So at the end of the season... You should be able to check this list and say, did I, did I practice being wise? And if you say, yes, I did, then you can ask another question. Did I be, was I being, be, uh, being wary of the enemy? Okay, I did that. I was, I, was, I was aware. Was I watchful for signs to help me? I did. 
And at the end of it, did I get an opportunity to worship Jesus? And if you say you did, you will have had a Christmas like no other. But I want to show you something that's not on your worship guide because it hit me yesterday. Verse 12. Once you've experienced Jesus and you've had Christmas for real, what happens on December 26, 27, 28, and every day that follows? When you have a fresh encounter with the Christ of Christmas, when you have that moment, man, just like the wise men, when you're like, oh, that's him. That's God right here for me. I, I see my name on him. He's given to me when you have that moment. What happens tomorrow? Verse 12. Be willing to walk a different path because it changes you, man. It moves the trajectory of your life steps. Verse 12 says, After being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back another route to their own country. They didn't retrace their steps. They didn't go home the way they came. They took another path. And when you have an encounter with Jesus today, it changes your steps tomorrow. If you have an encounter with Jesus today, it changes your journey. It changes the, 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 the target of tomorrow. That's what happened here. Since they went a different path. And often what we do is we, we route our own journey, right? We, we write a script for our life, and it's pretty good. I mean, put a lot of thought into it. Meanwhile, God has another journey for you another path to take another target to pursue and it will always be greater even if you don't see it just this morning in the early service after the early service we've got a young couple the the Schaefer's that are moving uh, in, in two weeks three days before Christmas I think it is and uh, moving to North Carolina or South Carolina closer to her family and I told him this morning, hey, we're going to miss you guys. Hope everything goes well. <clears throat> he said, yeah, we, 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 we dread the, pro the, the prospect of looking for a new church. Because, man, we love this church. And I said, yeah, much to be loved. It's a good church. And I told him, sometimes what we're looking for doesn't look like we think it's going to look in the moment. But when God gives it to us, embrace it, and it'll become what you thought it should look like. Five years ago when, when God called me to come over here, it didn't look like what I thought the next step of my ministry journey would be, you know. I mean, I thought the Lord would move me out of student ministry at second with 200 kids and 225 children and college students and great friends. I thought he would move me to like a mega church. What are y'all laughing at? I heard you snicker over there, okay. Well, he didn't send me to a, to a mega church. He sent me to a church that he wanted me to be at church. And it's starting to look like what I had in my mind five years ago. It doesn't always look like it. And in our journey with Jesus, when our paths redirect and we look at where we're going and we say, man, that, that, was, that seems so much better for me. If God has put you on this path, where he's leading you is better than that path I ever thought about going. And it may not look like that right now because you're not there yet. 
He's not going to show you the greatness. He wants to develop your faith before he'll reveal the greatness of his plan. And with that, I want you to bow your heads. And maybe today, you're thinking, I think I know why I haven't experienced Christmas. I think it's because I've never truly experienced the Christ of Christmas. And maybe in this moment, you're here, and God has ordained for you to be here, to hear this goofy preacher tell you, hey, God loves you right where you're at more than you can possibly imagine. You don't have to look any further. I've given you the signs. You've been watching. And now all you have to do is yield and worship him. And if, you're, if you don't know Jesus, you've never been born again, it means you lay down the pride and you simply say, God, you put me here. I've been on my own journey. But in this moment, God, I feel you inviting me. I realize that Jesus, as a gift, had my name all over it. I want that gift. I received that gift. I give you all of my brokenness. I give you all of me in exchange for all of your greatness. Come into my life while I'm right here sitting at this round table in this church at 904 Dry Gap Pike. I want to worship you with my life. And when I leave this place, I want my path to be different. Maybe you're here and you've done that before, but you just don't feel it because you hadn't been searching for him with all your heart you start searching again you'll find him because he says he will be found Father we thank you for this amazing story of these wise men who found what Christmas is to be about Jesus the greatest gift ever given the greatest life ever lived the greatest story ever told. For those that may have received you today, God, I pray that you would give them courage to let me know or someone know so I can encourage them and help them take the right steps beginning on this new journey. For others, God, I pray that we will leave today different than the way we came in that we'll experience Christmas in a brand new way and we'll shine it and show it to the world around us. We pray it in Jesus' name.